go to church? Tell your Bible solution to four. I got some serious questions to ask the church this morning. You know, it's always good to ask some questions, but sometimes we don't always get the answers. And that's the title of the sermon today. The one question. What is your why? What is your why? Not for the brothers. Who is your wife? Or for the sisters. Who is your spouse? It's what is your why? Hope the why doesn't stand for yourself. Hope the why doesn't say, why me? But the why stands for your way. What is your why? But before we address the question of what is your why, you know, there's many days that are important to us. You know, whether it be your birthday, whether it be your spiritual birthday as it was Daniel Tico's birthday this week. Whether it be the upcoming marriage day. Of course with the Lord Almighty. When he comes back. Of course, amen, marriage day, August 19th, amen. I can't wait to marry my awesome, beautiful fiance, Novella Brooklyn Obama right there. But the marriage day, you know, the marriage day when you got married to God. Amen. You know, I remember the days of my non-Christian life. My non-Christian life. Well, I was wasting my life away, waking up at 8 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, just playing games for 18 hours a day. Wow. Wow. Numbing out on gaming. Numbing out in music. Numbing out on the basketball court. Numbing out on all type TV shows. I used to watch three movies a day. Three movies a day. That was my ritual. Get up. If I wasn't gaming, I was, I was watching movies. If I wasn't watching movies, I was falling asleep. Day-to-day -day ritual. In and out. That was my life as a non-Christian. Imagine a life waste. Do you know there's a, there's a quote that says that the, the only wasted thing in this world is wasted potential. Imagine me just, just, just staying at home for hours doing nothing. You know, I remember just feeling empty. Empty, no purpose. Going to a dead-end job. Not understanding the purpose of why I was alive. Giving into pornography, masturbation, drinking my life away, impure relationships. Seeing growing up with my mom and my dad no longer sleeping in the same bed. Just confused as to why there was no intimacy between them. So confused. My dad being emotionally absent, my mom being the dominant one in the family. So confused. Going to relationships, what I did, what I saw in pornography and movies, I thought that's what relationships were. I objectified women. Now, being in the kingdom of God, being assigned the role to protect the sisters from men who are like, like who I used to be. <laughs> Protecting them from who I used to be, for who I really am. Without God, what is your why? I'm so grateful I became a Christian in 20, 2018, January 28th. Got baptized as a true, sold out disciple. You know, there's two most important days of our life. The day that we're born. And the day that we find out why. What is your why? Like, serious question. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you in this room right now? Why are you here? 
Serious question to ask yourself, why are you here? Why are you here? The oxygen that you take, why are you here? Who could be using your oxygen right now to live life to full potential? Why are you here? It's not a depressive state. It's not a sad state. It's a reality check. Why are you here? You do realize some, uh, some people die every two seconds. They would die to have at least one more breath. One more breath. Whether they even have a sleepless night. Whether they're going through pain. They would at least want to see one more day. One more day to live. Yes, some of us just wake up and say, oh, the day is the same day. As if nothing's changed. You know, you do realize... We're going to die. Yeah. We're all going to die. Yeah. We're all going to die. Yeah. No, we're actually all going to die. Yes. Yeah. We're all going to die. You know, coronavirus was, was allowed by God. Yeah. Why? To allow ourselves to know mortality. Mm. To know we're actually going to die. Taking away all idols. Helping, the Bible says, be still know that I am God. Mm. Not the clubs, not education, not family, not culture. He says, I am God. Be still. Because when you're moving around, God, you, you can't even see God. Because you're so focused on all these other things. Why are you here? Why are you in the kingdom? What gives you the right to be in the kingdom? If you're here because it meets your emotional needs, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. If you're here to find a godly woman or a godly man, you're in the wrong place. Not to say that we're not godly. But that's not the reason why you're here. Why are you here? What is your why? What is the why? What is the why that gets you up in the morning? What's the why that gets you getting stuff done in the day? You do realize that people pick up their phones 96 times every day. And if you add up the hours, it's around average three hours per day. If you add that in a week, that's nearly a whole day wasted on social media. There's nothing wrong with the social media. It's how are you using it? You know, you do realize the only battle that Joshua lost against was the battle against AI. Oh, wow. Okay, bro. Oh, my days. What is your why? Jesus knew his why. I hope you guys are with me. Luke chapter 4. Verse 42. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. That's going to be scary on judgment day. When people are like, wait, 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 I want to study the Bible. Wait, Jesus, wait. Wait for me, Jesus. I know I had that Bible myself gathering dust, but Jesus, I don't have that Bible notification on my phone saying, read the Bible, but verse of the day. Come back, Jesus. Don't leave me. But he said, verse 43, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea and the church says, Amen. first of all, Jesus wasn't content in staying in one place. He said, my job here is done. I must go proclaim the kingdom of God somewhere else. Which means this may, you may only have a small window. Small window to enter the kingdom of God. He uses the word must. And Jesus only had three years in his ministry. Three years, so he couldn't waste time. If you didn't want to join, he was like, I'll leave you behind. Jesus doesn't wait behind just because you've lost a family member. Wow. He doesn't make the whole world stand still just because you're having an existential crisis. Wow. You know who's trying to steal your identity? Satan. Yeah. He, that's, that's it from the very beginning. He made Eve doubt who she was. Yeah. He said, you'll be like God. Wasn't she made in the image of God? 
They just started getting value on, on an apple. When, remember when the Bible says when God, everything that God made was good? Yeah. But then when she saw that it was pleasing to her eye, it was good. She started defining morality. This is good to me. Subjective morality. When the Bible says in Psalm 14 verse 1 that the, the, the morally deficient says in the heart there is no God. You cannot define, we've all lied in this room. So you as a law are morally flawed. So you cannot define what good and evil is. You can't. You can't. That's what Satan wants you to do. To steal your identity so you play the role of God. Because we live in a time where relationships are like, love me unconditionally on the condition of not talking to other people. Is that unconditional love? Is that unconditional love? Jesus said, I gotta move on. I, I, I can't stay in one place. You must move on. So as, as, as Christians, as disciples, we're not made to stay in one place. How long have you been in the same place? Spiritually. How long? How long have you been in the same place physically? Physically. You know, you know, we have this deep conviction. I believe what Jesus was physically fit. Physically fit. Physically fit. Why? He was a carpenter. He walked everywhere. We think, oh yeah, I just got to get a quick Uber, get a quick bus. Jesus had to walk everywhere. Walk everywhere. He probably had very dense calves. Air Jerusalem's ten toes out. That's Jesus for you. But this is the thing, is that he had a lacerated back. He was abused, sexually abused publicly. Right? He was abandoned by his closest friends, his own people, emotionally damaged, spiritual damage, and then it had to be separated by his dad because he dragged the cup of sins, yet still mustered up the strength to carry the cross? Mm. I believe Jesus was physically fit. Yes. I, can't, I, I can't imagine if he, was, if he was overweight, he probably wouldn't have hang on the cross and probably wouldn't have died for our sins. Amen. Jesus was physically fit. Yes. How long have you been in the same place physically? Mm. I literally saw a fact the other day. That, that, that there was a scientific report in, in the University of Florida literally saying that exercise overcomes depression. Wow. And even count, it's, it's, it's even suggested above counseling wow. and above medication. Wow. Just exercise. Come on. Now, I'm not surprised. That's why the scripture says in Philippians 2, verse 3 work out your salvation. Ooh. Work it out. The Bible says physical training has some value, which means you won't know some value unless you work out. You're missing out on full potential of life because you're, you're, you're not deciding to work out. We do reps of like one, two, just, drink, just drinking away our life or one, two, just popcorn or just eating away our life. That's one rep. That's two reps. That's three reps. How long have you been in the same place? How long have you said to yourself that you will change but that you never ended up changing? I know you believe in change because you change your clothes every day. <laughs> How long have you been in the same sin? How long have you had the same doubts? How long have you had the same issues? Bitterness. Bitterness. Anger. Frustration. Issue with authority. Unforgiveness. Trust issues. You know, you know trust issues? When people say I have trust issues, it's really unforgiveness issues. Someone hurt you in the past, you're not willing to forgive them, and you're saying that the person reminds you of the person in the past. Mm. But the Bible says in Matthew 18, if you're not willing to let go, if you're not willing to forgive other people, you won't be forgiven on judgment day. Mm. Imagine if Jesus, if God actually treated you the way that you forgave people. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 
We're not built to stay the same. How long have you been in the same place? How long have you been in the same place? The Birmingham church is not meant to look the same. Yes. It's not. I love you guys, but I'm tired of seeing the same faces. Mm-hmm. Because it's not meant to look the same by the end of this year. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. The women's ministry is not meant to look the same. Yeah. I said the women's ministry is not meant to look the same. Yes. The men's ministry are not meant to look the same. Amen. The campus ministry is not meant to look the same. Amen. The teens ministry is not meant to look the same. Amen. You know, what, you know what, what's how powerful the Bible is? The Bible actually promises weekly editions. Mm. You don't believe me? Jer- turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 5. Come on, let's go. Jeremiah chapter tw- uh, 5. Come on. What is your why? Come on, go. Jeremiah chapter 5. It says in verse 24. They didn't say to themselves... Let us fear the Lord our God who gives autumn and springs, spring rains in season, who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest. And the church says, Amen. this scripture basically highlights that God promises weekly editions. The Bible promises weekly editions. So we are guaranteed weekly editions at minimum. Wow. At minimum. Wow. At minimum. At minimum, wow. it's the standard of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Which means if you don't have weekly editions, are we living by the standard of the Bible? Wow. When it's a promise, God promises. He promises. You know he has 3,000 promises in the Bible? He is the great I am. He is the great I am. Like he, yeah, you, you, you hear, oh yeah, Iron Man saying I love you 3,000. Now God has 3,000 promises, it sticks to every single one of them. He is the true Iron Man. He is I, the great I am, amen? Yes. We are guaranteed weekly editions at minimum. You know, do you see it as a must to change? Come on, bro. Yes. Do you see it as a must to change? You know, real change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Yes. Let me say that again. Real change happens when the pain of staying the same, where you're tired of staying the same. Struggling with the same issues, same problems, same sin. When that feels worse than changing, that's when real change happens. Mm. We're like, I'm done being in this position. Mm. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. What is your why? Jesus had a why. He said to proclaim the kingdom of God was why he was sent. To seek and save the lost was why he was sent. In Luke 19 verse 10, that's where he says it. You are his why. He said to seek and save the lost was his why. You're the reason why he died on the cross. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's that, what, do you know what joy means in the Hebrew? I mean, in the Greek rather? Of one person's joy. Which means you are his joy. Wow. You are the motivator to drive Jesus to go to the cross. Wow. But isn't it ironic? You're the cause of why he went to the cross in the first place. Wow. But yet you were his motivator. You drove him to endure the cross. 
to endure it. You were the one who drove Jesus to save you and save so many more. To save so many more. Save so many more. Come on. He knew his why. You know, Jesus didn't die on a couch. He died on a cross. You know, I can't imagine if the one who reached out to us didn't know their why. What if they, reached, what if they didn't reach out to us because they didn't know their why? Where would we be? You know, I could have been a young dad by now. Caught an STD. Could have been accused of rape. Could have been accused of harassment. Could have been accused. Could have been in jail with an STD. Not knowing what to do in my life. Just being another statistic. What is your why? What is your why? I'm so grateful that I'm in the kingdom of God. We're saved to save. What is your why? Your why keeps you going when you want to quit. Your why gets you up in the morning. Your why will stop you wasting time. Your why keeps you going when there's nothing left to give. Your why keeps you going when you want to quit. When you want to run away from pressure. Run away from facing your issues. Running away from the areas that you have been changed. Your why will make you see why it's possible to face persecution. It will help you face persecution. Your why will keep you pure. Your why will drive you to make disciples. You know, there's this one quote that says, what matters is not how long you live, but why you live. What you stand for and what you are willing to die for. Who will say thank you because you decided to live by your why? If your why isn't to seek the save and save the lost, this room isn't for you. By the end of our lifetime, we can either be remembered as a name on a gravestone or rather be remembered for our lives impacting other lives. Having our names written in the book of life and being remembered by a father in heaven. Did you realize that, that the scripture says that when, if, if they don't, even he speaks to the disciples saying there'll be some weeping in nationality. He says, even if you say, Lord, Lord, he'll say, I never knew you. You do realize it's impossible for God not to know you because he knows everyone. So he decides to forget you. Because you decided to forgot your why. Mm. What will you be remembered for? For the number of excuses you made? Or the number of souls you saved? You know, again, this room is not meant to look the same. Each disciple should look different to the way they looked last year. I said each disciple is supposed to look different to the way they looked last year. Why? Because you have a quiet time every day. You change every day. Can the church be built off your convictions alone? If you were entrusted with the responsibility to save the entire world, how many people would be saved? That tells you if you've been living your why. If you're the only one left behind to build the kingdom of God, who would be saved? What would the world look like if it was built on your convictions? What would the governments look like if it was built on your convictions? You know, we're not, built, we're, not, we're not built to stay the same. 
You know, who has a younger sibling or cousin or, or brother? Now imagine seeing them in eight years' time. And they're eight years older, but then they're still in the same body. The same young body. Wouldn't you be concerned? Wouldn't you just like take them to the doctor straight away? You're like, hey, I have an issue here. There's something growing on. Not growing on, going on. But what's the point? You can be physically older in the kingdom, but still be immature. Just because you've been around for a while does not make you, does, does not make you at all mature. Or you can be young physically and be super mature. What determines maturity? What determines maturity? Hebrews chapter 5. Let's go there. Hebrews chapter 5. What is your why? Hebrews chapter 5. Says in verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. That means they've given up. Because they no longer try. In fact, though by this time, that means there's a certain time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, which means you won't even be able to know what righteousness is mm-hmm. if you're not even acquainted with the basics. Mm. It's a basolid food. It's for the who? Mature. The mature. So I'm sorry for those who, who haven't even mastered the basics of Christianity. You can't take the solid food. If this preaching is too much for you, it's because you haven't mastered the basics. Wow. wow. Preach. It's too much. It's a hard pill to swallow. But isn't this the word of God? Come on. The Bible is described as a double-edged sword in Hebrews chapter 4. Yes. So you're like, oh man, I feel offended. Whoa, amen. He, John chapter 6 said, Jesus preached to his disciples. He yep. said, does this offend you? Yep. Even he said to his 12, he said, oh, do you guys want to leave too? Right. He was not afraid of losing people. We're not afraid of losing people. It's not about people. It's not about size. It's about who's willing to be fully committed to being sold out and actually preaching the word of God and knowing their why. Are you immature spiritually? Because the scripture says, but solid is for the mature who by constant use if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Oh. Who by constant use have trained themselves. You can literally use the scriptures to train yourself. Yes. You don't need a disciple. Just train yourself with the scriptures. Yes. It's called your quiet time. Yes. To distinguish good from evil. You want to be able to distinguish good from evil if you don't even practice the basics of Christianity. Yes. Then you become like a subjective moralist. Oh. <laughs> I think this is good, but this is not good. Oh, wow. I think it's okay to, for a man to become a woman. It's okay for a woman to act like a man. No, 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 no. Being strong is a godly trait, not not just a masculine trait. But the thing is, God's given us different roles. We're equal in the eyes of God. God made us line and line. Literally, I know, I mean, he literally took out the rib, you know, and and made a woman. Like, whoa, man. Okay, woman. But the point is, is that he made them equally. The Bible says he made the man and woman. He made them. Not man above woman. This is man and woman. He made them equal. They just have different roles. Men lead, women submit. Women lead women. So women lead women like women. Not like a man. What the term is maturity? 1 Corinthians 13. Love this. 
What is your why? Verse 11. When I was a child, that means there was a period when you were a child. I talked like a child. I thought like a child. You didn't realize that, that children actually hold no record of wrong. They forgive so quick and they play, they play with you. Like, I'm sorry. Hey, let's go play. But then it also says, I thought like, I reasoned like a child. You know children when they lie? Like, well, um, I, um, uh, it, was, it, was, yeah, it was the bush. Uh, the shed. They're defensive, right? They hide the truth. But that was a period when you were a child. But then this is when I became a man or woman, amen? amen. I put the ways of childhood behind me. So if, if we're still responding like a child, you know, child, children, they sulk. They're like, oh. Oh, mom, dad, they do that all the time. They're like, go share your faith. Oh. <laughs> go get a Bible study. <laughs> Don't miss your giving. <laughs> Special missions. <laughs> go on a date. <laughs> With the brother or sister you don't like. <laughs> Forgive quickly. You can be all physically, but so immature. We're not built to stay the same. Jesus said, I must go so that we can grow. That's what he said literally in Luke chapter 4. He was like, I gotta go. I must go to Judea so you guys can grow here. The ones who are here. The ones who are here. The ones who are here. Again, Jesus died for you. He knew his why. It was you. So it only makes sense for you to make him your why. You do realize he lost sleep for you. Oh, I'm too tired to share my faith. Jesus lost sleep for you. He, he bled for you. We see a little blood in the first generation. Oh, blood! Jesus bled for you. He got stripped naked for you. Abused. For you. Mm. Technically by you. Because mm. you're the one who put him on the cross. Mm. He got abused for you. He got abandoned for you. Wow. You know your sins in Matthew 24 split him from his father? Mm. In history? You're the one who caused the first separation from the dad and his son. Mm. Ever in history. Because Jesus and his father were never split until that very moment because of your sins. Mm. Yet you're still the reason why he died. Disciples, what has been your why? Jesus' why was to proclaim the kingdom of God, to seek and save the lost. What is your why? What is your why? Point number one, and the only point we have today. Come on, why are you here? John chapter five. John chapter 5, why are you here? It says in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. 
Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Some manuscripts include here, holy or in part, paralyzed. And they waited for the moving of the waters. Verse 4 in the footnotes. From time to time, an angel of the Lord will come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such a servant will be cured of whatever disease they had. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. And the church says, you know what's powerful about the scripture? Is that the scripture states that there used to be people here. That were blind, paralyzed in the the, the place called Bethesda. You know what Bethesda means in the Greek? Mercy. They were sitting in God's mercy. But one was sitting in God's mercy for 38 years. He saw people change. He saw people progress in life. Grow. Develop. What does it look like in discipleship? Start leading. Start dating. Getting married. Progressing in life. You know, why am I not growing? You may be like the one sitting there for 38 years in God's mercy. Wow. You may be that one. You may be that one. He saw people find their why. He saw people get better and grow and develop. Yet he let his conditions become his way of life. Wow. He let his conditions become his why. In the meaning of invalid in the Greek means which means weakness. So for 38 years, he's basically saying, oh, I'm still working on it, bro. I'm still working on my weaknesses. For 38 years. 38. It doesn't mean he was 38 years old. He was here for 38 years. I can't even imagine how old he actually was. Still trying to figure out his issue with pride. For 38 years. Oh, I'm still working on my purity. Yeah, I just gave him to masturbation yesterday, but I'm still working on it. For 38 years after, you didn't realize this after five years? After six years? After seven? After ten years? You're still working on your purity? You're still working on your issue with authority? You're still working on your bitterness? You're still working on it? You're still working on your brokenness? You're still working on going off the D times instead of avoiding them? You're still working on getting advice? You're still working on having a heart of humility? And to actually admit that you're wrong? That you're not the standard? You're still working on the fact that you haven't been fruitful? You don't want to admit it? You've been in the kingdom for a while, but then you can't admit that you haven't been fruitful? You're still working on going week- weekly dates? You do realize the reason why we struggle with purity is because we don't go on weekly dates. That's right. And money's not an issue. It's not. If you're in the Western world, you are rich. You are rich. You can have three dates. It's called Zoom. Mm. <laughs> now I'm supposed to get off Zoom, amen? Amen. <laughs> Verse 6. Awesome. When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Mm. Dare we say he asked him, why are you here? Mm. Or rather, why are you still here? Imagine Jesus was there on the day of your baptism and then came back, like for example today, and be like, man, you're still struggling with people. Wow. Have you actually had a quiet time in three years? 
You haven't changed. You know what amazes God? A lack of faith. Where does faith come from? The Bible. So he's probably amazed the fact you haven't had a quiet time in three years. Like, whoa, whoa. You're still struggling with purity? And you see, and he's bloodied up. He's literally bloodied up. You see him. You're still struggling. Still? You hurt me again? Still? Again? You spat me in the face? Didn't you want to, he'll probably ask, didn't you want to change after your first year of discipleship? Come on, bro. Great question to ask. Why are you still in that position? Why are you still in that position? Why? Why are you here? What is your why? Why are you still struggling with so many opinions? If you're struggling with opinion, this is not the church for you. There's so many other people that can listen to your opinions. There's so many churches you can choose from that will itch it, it your ears. That tell you what your itching ears want to hear. You don't have to be here. We're not here to cater to your specific needs. God meets your needs. We're humans. The Bible says the heart is evil above all things. Why are you holding a record wrongs towards a human? We're messed up people. If you're feeling hurt towards a person, we're all messed up. But it also shows an insecurity in your heart because you're not secure that God meets all your needs. You're trying to get someone to tell you something because you're trying to find their need, your, your needs in that person. That person is not God. That's people pleasing. You know the biggest people pleaser in history was Satan? Because people pleasing is just pleasing other people. It's pleasing yourself. Serve me. Serve me. Yeah, that, that's literally how Satan had the best voice in, 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 in heaven. He didn't want to serve God. He didn't want to worship God. He didn't want to worship God. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. And he's a great influencer. He influenced one third of angels to follow him. Wow. So Satan's a great influencer. Yeah. Wow. When Jesus comes back, what will he find you doing? Because Jesus will come back finding you what you do most. Wow. Will he come back seeing you sleeping? What will he find you doing? Because he'll come back seeing what you do consistently. Will he find you failing your degree? Ooh. Missing lectures? Not revising? Will he find you watching porn? Will he find you masturbating? Will he find you critical? How will he find you? Or will he find you preaching? Or will he find you praying? Or will he find you baptizing? Will he find you sharing your faith? Will he find you in a Bible study? Will he find you begging God in prayer? What would he find you doing? When he found the invalid, when he found the invalid man, he found him hopeless. You know, one of the reasons why you may not be living your why is because you have a lack of hope. How? The invalid replied in verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He was hopeless. He was hopeless. He had hope initially. Otherwise, he would have never come to the pool of Bethesda. Yet once there, he had little hope to be the one to win in the healing that day. He may have got tired of failing, tired of rejections, tired of hearing the same thing in the detail, tired of hearing the rebuke, tired of going through the same cycle. Tired of being left behind. He forgot his why. The most dangerous place to be is forgetting your why. 
Why are you here? You got to remember your why. Come on, Joe. Why you were here? Why you got called? Why you got saved? He could have felt insecure. He could have been condemning himself, comparing himself. Yet the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 33 to 34, if you turn there. Let's address self-condemnation. Romans 8, 33. It says this in verse 33. Who will bring any charge against the one, those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And the church says, Amen. what does the Bible say? Who condemns us? No one. So when you condemn yourself, you're adding to the word of God. You're adding to the word of God. You're adding your own interpretation to the word. When the Bible literally says, no one condemns you. Why are you condemning yourself? You're adding to the word. When Proverbs 30 verse 5 to 6 literally says, those who add to the word will be rebuked and proved a liar. God's words are flawless. Why are you trying to add to his word? No one condemns. You shouldn't be condemning yourself. You shouldn't be insecure. You shouldn't be self-condemning. You know how you get to hope though? Romans chapter 5. Same book, Romans 5. Hope you guys are still with me. Romans 5. It says in verse 3, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know, this is something you should know, that suffering produces. Isn't that crazy? Huh? Suffering produces. Oh. Yeah, amen. Suffering is fruitful. Yes. That means suffering, some, some suffering is more fruitful than some of you guys in this room. Because wow. suffering produces. Wow. It says suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Yeah. Amen, hope. Yeah. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our, heart, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And the church says, Amen. You know what suffering produces? It produces a you that you've never seen before. Amen. Amen. Yes. It produces perseverance. It produces a type of motivation that no other thing can produce. You won't see another side of you unless you suffer. You won't see the greatness inside of you. Because it's not about your conditions. It's how you respond. Why? Because the same boiling water that softens potatoes hardens eggs. It's not about your circumstance. It's what you're made of. Your perseverance in the Greek means hypomanai, which means the characteristic of a man and woman, amen, amen, who is not swerved. That's what perseverance means. It means the characteristic of a man or woman who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. It's a characteristic. So when you go through suffering, God's trying to give you a new characteristic. Mm. Trying to chisel your character. What does this look like? You're not swerved by, you're not swerved from your why. You're not swerved in your commitment. 
that you have an issue with seeking first the kingdom. You know, if you have a seeking first the kingdom issue, you have a persecution issue. And you also have a discipleship issue, which means you have a Bible issue, which means the Bible is not your standard. So if you're really struggling to seek first the kingdom and distance is an issue for you, then the Bible is not actually your standard. Jesus and all these apostles didn't die as martyrs to be, for us to have a convenient gospel. Christians didn't be put on stakes publicly for you to just say, I'm not feeling like a Christian today. I don't want to share my faith today. Isaiah wasn't chopped in half for no reason. A spear wasn't put through Thomas for no reason. You know, you do realize that Peter and his wife were crucified together. His wife went first. That means there, are, there can be women with conviction. Yeah. Yes. I said there can be women with conviction. Yes. Not swerving the commitment. If seeking first the kingdom is an issue, you have a biblical issue. Right. You have an issue with us or the church. You have an issue with the Bible. It's too much for you. It's too much for you. There's no turning down the heat in hell though. It can, you can rather have it heated between us right now than never the heat turning down in hell. Because you know how many things have stopped the rich man in Luke chapter 18? One thing. One thing. He kept all the commandments though. So he can look at a disciple, act like a disciple, you can sound like a disciple. But if you're, if you're not willing to give up that one thing, that can stop you from getting into the pearly gates. That's what it means to persevere. Not swerved in your commitment. Not swerved in your giving. Not swerved in your giving. You know, I want to do lift up the church. We hit 100% in our special missions, amen? But I want to give kudos to those who actually gave. Because Paul preached it last week. It actually hurts that so many people work their tail off to get that money. Mm. So we can send our churches to Ireland because they're screaming. They're, they're trying to find out their why. Mm. Those in Brussels. But then there's some who didn't even give a penny. Mm. You're telling me it was okay? Literally, like, you're like the invalid watching other people progress and actually work very hard to actually progress in their life, to actually progress to help save other people. Mm. Yet you didn't have the guts and heart to give something. Mm. Money is attached to the heart. Yep. You know your money isn't yours. God only gives it to you to see what you're going to do with it. Because technically, it's just a piece of paper you're passing around. That money isn't yours. You're just passing it around. It's true. It's literally going to, it's pointless when you die. You know, savings aren't doing anything. They're not saving anyone in a bank. They're called savings, right? But they're not saving anyone in a bank account. Sitting in a bank account. They're called savings. What are they saving for? Suffering exposes loyalty to God. Mm, if we don't good. suffer, we sway wow. from our why. That's good. Wow. That's good. You know, there's a quote. Don't measure a man when everything's going well. Mm. Measure an individual when adversity hits. Mm. So I don't care if people say, oh, I'm doing well spiritually. No, 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 no. When you're doing bad, that's, how you're, that's your character. That's your character. That's your character. We see Jesus was weak in the garden. That's why we have to pray three times. When we're weak, I want to know my pornography. I want to know my masturbation. I want to go drink my life away. Even as Christians. How we respond to suffering is our character. Not when we're doing well. Suffering determines true loyalty. That determines our, whether we know our why or not. How we respond to our suffering. And then in the scripture in Romans 5, I hope you guys are still with me. And then, then you get to what? After perseverance. Character. So some, some of you are still the, won't even develop some character. If you don't allow yourself to persevere through your suffering. Mm. Once you get through that character, then you get to hope. Yes. 
dang, my Jesus, why do you think it's so hard to get to hope? But you can't get to hope without suffering. You cannot get to hope without suffering. Suffering is an opportunity to remember your why. The invalid was hopeless because he he didn't allow his suffering to help him remember his why and therefore had no character and no hope. Therefore, he remained the same. If you don't allow your suffering to make you, you will always remain the same. A young bitter person is an old bitter person. You know, we live in a generation of quitters. One in 10 students drop out of university in their first year. We like to avoid pain. We like to avoid suffering. We We don't want our flesh to suffer. That's why we give into porn. We don't like the suffering. We don't like abstaining from being pure. Like we don't want to abstain from pornography rather. Because we want our, we're gonna desire, we, want to, we don't want to suffer. Mm. We don't want to let our body suffer. Mm. That's why literally going to the gym helps. Yeah. Exercising helps. Yeah. It literally helps. Yeah. It literally helps. Because you feel trash after you give into masturbation. Yeah. You feel trash after smoking that, that fag. Mm. You feel trash afterwards. Feel good, progress. Mm. Use your pain as fuel for the journey. Yeah. We don't want to suffer, that's why we give into laziness. We don't have the pain of commitment. We don't have the pain of committing to all nations. We don't have the commitment of blooming where you're at. You want to move somewhere else. You don't want to bloom in Birmingham. When the Bible says God determines times and places. Not disciple determines times and places. God put you here. You didn't put you here. Because you, how you are here is how you do over there. So why do you decide to go over there if you can't even do well here? That's why, especially when it comes to marriage. The reason why, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm marrying one of the most awesome women of God in the world. I mean, the most awesome women in the world. Why? 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 Because this is our bedrock. The Bible's the bedrock. I couldn't do this as a non-Christian. Couldn't do this as a non-Christian. The pain of not, not having to do anything. Our first kiss will be at the altar. We don't have the pain of having to give a big amount of money to God. We don't have the pain of hard work. We don't have the pain of saving souls in our university degrees. You know, teachers don't set you up for failure. You do realize that, right? ICCM, that was me. I was setting myself up for failure. But then I got 95% of my last exam because I actually prioritized it. We don't like the pain of accountability. We don't like the pain of getting open or having to live by faith. The invalid didn't like his suffering and eventually numbed out because he wasn't doing anything to change the way that he was. He may have just been self-condemning himself because he wasn't doing something. He wasn't busy doing something to change himself. You do realize you only begin to self-condemn yourself if you're doing nothing to change it. He wasn't desperate enough. Why are you here? Why are you here? Are you desperate to change? Are you actually desperate to change? Yes. Do you actually want to get well? Yes. No, no, no. Do you want to get well? Yes. You know what want means in the Greek? To have in mind. Wow. You have to have change in your mind all that time for you to want to change. Come on, bro. But then I know, guess for what? For a fact, in Birmingham, as soon as we finish the service, we go back to who we were. Preach. The sermon goes in this ear, goes out the other. You know, the rich man in Luke 16 only wanted to change when he was in hell. He only became evangelistic when he went to hell. Oh, 
Why? Because he wanted to save his family. Wow. He said, what about my brothers? Oh, now you want to share your faith? Oh. Now you want to preach? So you only wanted to preach the word. Why? He was in hell. Why are you here? You know, he actually began to actually start fearing God in hell. You know Exodus 20, 20 says, the fear of God will stop you from sinning. Yes. I have firm belief many disciples don't fear God. Yeah. The Bible says in Luke 12, verse 5, he has the right to throw your body into hell. Yes. Not just go to hell, throw. Mm-hmm. Throw you into hell. He's like, get out of here. You do realize that, right? God has that authority. But then you have an issue with authority. God picks who, who goes where? Yes. This is God's wife. This is God's church. He's going to marry this when he, when he comes back. Mm-hmm. If you can't submit to the people that God's placed in your life, how can you submit to Jesus? Yeah. How? Jesus is even he's more powerful. That's good, bro. That's good. God just put them, these people in your life to test you to see, okay, how will you respond? Okay, you don't get the lesson. But then the Bible says, okay, if you don't want to bow down now, okay, you bow down now on judgment day. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Why are you here? Go back to John 5. Bring it for a close. Why are you here? What is your why? Some questions to ask for today. Simple sermon. Super simple sermon. Just a few scriptures here. John 5, verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, I mean, I mean, there's an exclamation mark there. <laughs> Pick up your mat and walk. You know what's powerful? Is that Jesus could have just told him to get up. Why did he tell him to pick up his mat? He didn't just tell him to pick up. He told him to pick up his mat. Why? Because his mat was his suffering. He told him to pick up his mat so he can stay in touch. with where he came from. Stay in touch with who he was to remember what he got saved from. The life that could have been. Now, this doesn't mean living in the past, but appreciating what God saved you from. His mat was his message. You do realize you can't spell the word message without mess. You can't spell the word testimony without test. You have nothing to show for yourself if you don't go through suffering and so on and so forth. You know, Paul worked harder than all of them in the, in, in the, in, than all the apostles in the scriptures. Why? Because he was also in touch with who he was. You know what Paul used to do, the, Paul the apostle? He used to kill Christians. Yet why was he the one actually used to write most of the books in the New Testament and used to evangelize most of the world? He says it in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, the apostle, was in touch with who he was. Come on, bro. Come on. 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Which means he, he's in touch with the grace. Yeah. 
Grace is, when you actually appreciate the grace, it causes an effect. If it's not causing an effect to your life, you actually don't have any idea or, or fathom what God's grace is. Then it says, no, I worked harder than them all. Being in touch with the grace makes you work hard. Yeah, not I, but the grace of God that was in me. He was in touch with the grace. He was in touch with his old life. You know, despite the fact that Paul used to kill Christians, because he was in touch with who he was, he worked harder than the Christians. That's the ironic thing. He worked harder trying to save than when he killed. Because he was in touch with who he was. He was in touch with his old life. He never forgot his why. He was like, I remember the man I was when I used to kill these people. He remembered who he used to be. Do you remember who you were without God? No, genuinely. Without me asking this question. Do you think about it? Do you think about it? Where you could have been if it wasn't for discipleship. You do realize you get the most encouragement in the kingdom of God. That people, you wouldn't get this much encouragement in the world. I know that for facts. Nobody encourages me like crazy. Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. You know the meaning of walk in the Greek? It means to make one's way to progress and to make due use of opportunities. You know also what it means in Hebrew? To live. Take up your message and live. Be in touch with your old life and you will live. If you're not in touch with your old life and the grace, you can't live. You're just the walking dead. You've got to take up your mat. It didn't say drop your mat afterwards. You've got to stay in touch. And he didn't say stop walking. That means you can't walk with God without picking up your mat and staying in touch with God. And stay in touch with your old life. You can't walk with God. That's why he's take up your mat and walk. It's a condition. It's a precondition to walking. You cannot live without remembering who you were. Mm. Now, you're not living in your past, amen. amen? No, I said you're not living in your past, amen. amen? That's different. But when you're in touch with the past, you remember what God saved you from. Mm. Jesus never told him to drop his mat mm. and to keep, keep his stepping. Mm. The challenge is simple. On, remember who you were. Mm. There's another one like you out there looking for you. Yeah. Remember your why. Like Paul said, he didn't deserve to be an apostle. None of us deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be a disciple. So we've got a quick acting like, oh, I deserve to be here. You do not deserve to be here. You do not deserve, you, every single one of us have to develop an attitude to remember that we all, other people would actually, someone probably would do better than us in this position. God just only picks certain people because we're the only ones available right now. There's someone better than us out there. He's called Jesus Christ. So stop acting like you're the best. Now, don't be insecure. Don't be extreme. I mean, Ecclesiastes 7, don't be extreme. It's not a good thing to be extreme. But it's just remembering your why. Just remembering your why. You know, I want to close out with a story. I nearly failed my degree as a non-disciple. My first year, that's when I got met to become a disciple. My first year was a 2-2. But then actually becoming a disciple helped me to improve. My second year, I got a 2-1. And then I ended up graduating with a first-class degree. Because of discipleship. And performing arts. And now using it for the kingdom. That's what discipleship can do. That's what remembering your why can do. It can take you from studying to becoming a first-class disciple. 
Where you're first class in your purity. Where you're first class in your marriage. Where you're first class in your convictions. Where you're a first class individual. Where the single professionals get six figure jobs. Where they believe that they're a first class disciple. That's what discipleship and remembering your why can do. We're in a room for the first class disciples. You, bec- you can become a first class disciple. You can become a first class disciple today. Yes. Remember, you became a first class disciple on your baptism day. Yes. Just remember who you were. Yes. Do you remember your why? Yes. Do you remember why you became a disciple? Yes. Do you remember why you gave up everything? Yes. I remember moving to Birmingham and giving up everything. The men's ministry was not the way it was when I first moved up. It wasn't. It wasn't. You wouldn't see the brothers here today. You wouldn't. Because God helped me remember my why. He helped me remember my why. I persisted in prayer. I was like, God, help me use my life for something. Use my life, God. Help me remember my why. God used me to meet Josh Chokodoze. What ended up happening is that he then met Callum Reed. He then also met Bernard Miti. Then Bernard also met Tundurai. But then, of course, one of my sons in the faith, Elijah's right over there. He's changed the church. And because, of course, God moved me up to Birmingham, he allowed me to start dating Novella. And because Novella, me and Novella dated, that's when the whole uh, Michael Bocasa and Claire came out. So they're saved because of our relationship. Because I remembered my why. I remember my why. I helped out in Jeffrey's studies. I helped him out in his studies. So many tears, hearing his story. Hearing his story, man. Helped out with Kuda. I'll die for that guy. I would die for that guy. I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't. LeVar wouldn't be the man he is today. God used me to disciple him. His hair was, you know, parting like the Red Sea. But amen, praise God. He repented and, boom, you see, he's a great looking guy right there. But God used him to meet Cain and Kuda. Because God used me to disciple him. Because I remembered my why. I remembered my why. I remember my why. Many of the guys are here because I remember the conversation I had first time with Albina in the CIA Bible talk. That was a good six months. Don't get me, get me started about Carmen Williamson. I remember even talking to her. Oh my goodness me. When we were co-leading leading together CIA, the amount of challenges and whatnot, but she took the advice. And I firmly believe God because I remembered my why. God used us to remember our why and then help save Albina, follow, and then now anchor. That's what remembering your why does. Yes. That's what remembering your why does. God used my life. Yes. Most of the disciples are in this room because God helped me remember my why. Just yes. staying in touch with my why. You can use your life for something. Yes. You can use your life for something. Yes. You don't just leave an impression, you leave an impact. Yes. Help people overcome their abuse, overcome their doubts, their insecurity. The best type of medication is the word of God. Yes. There's only three things that are eternal. The word of God, the God, and the souls of man. Come on. What are you going to do? The only question you've got to ask yourself today, what is your why? Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here, disciples? It's not for the vibes. The vibe is the, it is, it's the byproduct. The only thing that starts a party in heaven is a baptism. Yes. When are you going to get hungry? When are you going to get hungry for baptism? You can see God's testing the church. He's making a lot of people go left, right, and center. Why? Because he only wants the sold out base. Yes. He wants to work with those who actually are willing to build off of themselves to build the kingdom of God. Yes. When are you going to change? When are you going to change? The Bible says in Acts 2, 
Peter preached, but he pleaded. I'm pleading with you, family. I'm pleading with you. What is your why? Remember your why. Remember your why. Jesus died for you. He died for you. You have no idea where you could have been. You know what? The safest place is the kingdom, where the worst thing is rebuke, which is still not of love anyway. You get the most love in the kingdom. What's going to get you to change? What's going to get you to change? Desperation. 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 God's making us desperate. No wonder why he's made us barren. He wants you to become desperate. To become desperate. What are you going to do to change? How many more souls are you going to see saved? How many more souls? How many more souls? What is your why? I give you a simple challenge, especially for the campus students who are now free for three months. Baptize in the next three months. Three months is summer. Let's go, bro. Most people are out. We shouldn't be having hangouts. We should be making disciples. Amen. There's no partying after that. There's work hard, then play hard. Mm-hmm. Save a soul. Save a soul. I'm keeping every single one of you accountable. And keep me accountable too. I've got my one, but I'm getting another. We've got to save people, not for the sake of numbers, but to remember what is your why. I love you to God be able to. Come on.